Hello and welcome to the 22nd episode of the 34 Sports Podcast. I'm joined once again with my co-host Raptor. How's it going, everybody? We back for now. Before I get going, I'd like to ask everybody, if you're on YouTube, please like and subscribe. It's been a while. Need to maybe see an uptick. I don't know. I'm trying something new. Uh, let's get into the podcast, though. Uh, first, I want to talk about the NCAA basketball game, big championship game. I watched every bit of it. It was uh, a lot different than I expected it to do. I didn't expect Gonzaga to get taken to the cleaners like they did. I didn't think. Uh, for for me, it was really just a lack of effort. Uh, what did you see that was the big thing? Um, Quite frankly, they had a great season for nothing. I'm sorry, but like, you can't go thirty-one and zero and then get ran out of the building. Yeah, I don't. I think they had a fairly easy schedule in their division because they were supposed to play this Baylor team previously, but Baylor got hit with uh, the virus for like three weeks and they couldn't play, so um, that didn't help. They had Gonzaga didn't have a weak week schedule, but I don't think there were too many like top teams that they went against. They didn't go against like Michigan or any of that. That's highly unusual for a team to go against somebody that far away that's usually in their conference. Yeah. It was just, like, crazy because, like, I was on my phone. Like, I think it was, like, a few minutes into the game, and I'm like, okay, let's see how close the game is. I look at the score, and it's 9-0 Baylor, and I'm like, oh, no. Yeah, I don't, Gonzaga didn't seem like they were there. I mean, they were at the championship game, but it just seemed like they weren't ready to play. I don't know. It's It was very confusing to me. I thought... There was, like, a one spot in what would be for the NBA the third quarter, but, like, the first half, first part of the second half where they made kind of a push, but uh, Baylor was always able to shut them down before they could get it within 10. I think maybe they got it down to nine once, and that was what I was thinking of. But other than that, Baylor just had them on lockdown. Uh, one guy I really like going into the draft, and as I was showing you the other day, the Raptors do have a chance at him if they keep playing the way they do. We'll get into that later, too, but. Um, Davion Mitchell is a really solid defender and a good playmaker. Uh, he actually reminds me somewhat of Kyle Lowry. So for you guys in Toronto, I think that would be a good pick. Uh, but the way he played in the championship game, he shut uh, Suggs down pretty hard. Suggs really wasn't a factor in the last two games besides he, had, he came in clutch. But uh, I don't know about Suggs. I kind of – maybe he's – Made for the NBA game more than the college game, uh, but he didn't show a ton of what I needed to see in those two games that I watched of him, which were the last. So, I don't know. what Have you seen, you watched some of it. What did you think of Suggs? I, I mean, other than like, I mean, we all know he's good, and I think that shot at the NBA, we're like, oh, well. Nobody's gonna beat Gonzaga if they're hitting half court shots and stuff like that. Like I heard a couple people legitimately say, "Oh, they're nobody's gonna win if their point guard is hitting half court shots." Like he wanted to shoot that ball, no. <laughs> and it's like I'm, I think people, including myself, were like, "This Gonzaga team is like they ain't getting touched by anybody." And then all of a sudden, like I said, I turned the score on and I'm like, "Gonzaga's getting their ass handed to them." Yeah, I think one of their big guys that didn't really have much of a factor, I think just because of Baylor's ability to just, they had the ability to space the floor because they had usually three good guards out there at the same time. 
and um, just uh, their defense was locked down. They couldn't. They were having troubles getting inside, and their three-point shooting was. They weren't. They were closing out hard, but they were also contesting hard at the rim. So it was just a horrible, horrible for Gonzaga that way. But Timmy, you consider it like a. I don't know. Kind of like the Warriors when they went like to seventy three and nine. Do you do you think it was like a waste of like a crazy good season? Or no, not? because the matchup with that Warriors team was was different. With this, and what makes it different about college basketball is just the defense. It's not like that Cavs team was a defensive team when no. they did that. Um. Just made a few corrections, specifically Richard Jefferson coming into the lineup that ran bigger ball, and then they were able to guard Curry and Clay a little bit more. But with this, I think it really was just the poise of Baylor being able to know what I heard him say it a lot that the guys knew their role on the team, so they knew what they had to do. He had Vitel, who I like down low, that uh, got about every rebound that he wanted, he was a really good, solid rebounder down low. Uh, you had, uh, like I said, Davion Mitchell, who you have? You had, I can't remember his first name, but Teague. You had Teague there, too. Just really good veterans. I think they said Teague and Vital were actually fifth years, so that's highly unusual anyway. Yeah. Uh, so you just had guys that are basically, those two guys could be pro or elite or NBA level. I don't know where they'll land in the draft. I would invite to on my Baylor team. was like not missing. Like What'd they were just say? like I'd probably cut you off. I said I just heard that Baylor was just like because like, I watched some, but like not a lot. But like the parts that I didn't watch, apparently Baylor was like they couldn't miss. Like they were just consistently hitting. Yeah, they they made sure they took the shots that they knew they had. They had good offensive guys too. I didn't know that until either. T- I think it was today I was listening. Uh, yeah, it was. It was Pat McAfee's show. They were interviewing the coach. I can't remember Baylor's coach name, but uh, they were interviewing him, and they said that uh, his team was actually third in defense and, like, third in offense prior to the tournament. If I'd known that, I may have given them a little more of a nod. I did have them going to the champ game in a couple of my brackets, but that was just based off of the hype that I heard. I hadn't done a whole lot of research into them. Uh, for me, this was pretty much uh, – I'd watch some – some replays of Baylor, but this is like the first game I had seen them watch. I had, wow, I, this is the first game I had watched them. Had a brain malfunction there, but this, I didn't expect them. I would have, this team was right up my alley with the defense and just good shots. Uh, Steady. I'm surprised I hadn't, hadn't seen about them yet, but the media doesn't talk about that. They like the flashy Gonzaga team. Um, yeah. Uh, not the I, I thought even Gonzaga was gonna make a push in the second half, but there was nothing. Uh, Baylor controlled that. I don't even know if Gonzaga had a lead at any point. If they did, it was right at the beginning. But and then Baylor just took over. He, uh, Kispert, uh, he had nothing. I mean, he's a shooter. They were shutting him out in outside, so he tried to go inside. But he had two. Two times he got blocked, and both were actually highlights that they keep replaying. So I don't know what he was supposed to do. They they were not letting them. One of the biggest things I saw, and they were a three-point shooting team anyway, was they would not give them any yeah. space. They were either hard hedging or just getting out on the shooters. They didn't give them any space whatsoever to shoot. 
Um, and they couldn't get inside because you had two elite defenders inside. It just, I don't even know if it, I mean, you can knock a Gonzaga for it, but I really do think it was just a really, really good game by Baylor. They just knew what they were doing. Um, and, I mean. Uh, there's no taking away the fact that Baylor was just, like, on a different level. Yeah. It would have been interesting to see what, uh, I want to, like, if they had played that game early in the season, if Baylor hadn't been taken out by the virus, I would have liked to have seen what that would have what the score would have been earlier in the season because maybe Gonzaga wouldn't have been undefeated and people wouldn't have had them so high that way either. I mm-hmm. I personally didn't think there was going to be somebody to stop Gonzaga because, for one thing, I hadn't watched Baylor play. I didn't think there was a defensive squad of that caliber that was getting in their way because Houston was an offensive squad that would have, if they had beat Baylor, you had Arkansas that was moderate defense and had a lot of lot of shooting. Maybe if Loyola got there, which would not it was not gonna happen. Loyola was good defensively, but I knew they weren't getting there. Illinois was more offense. I didn't really know anybody on that side of the bracket that uh could keep up with a team like Gonzaga, but um Baylor knew what they wanted and they shut it down. It was impressive. Uh Let's move on to uh, the Raptors a little bit. Uh, we were talking earlier uh, before the, we started about the, well, more or less the Norman Powell for um, Gary Trent Jr. trade, which has worked out for both sides. Uh, Norman Powell's fit well. Uh, uh, even one game when Damian Lillard was out for the Trailblazers, Norman Powell stepped into that one guard position and had like 20 points, and CJ had 20 points. So he gels well with CJ and Dame. When Dame's been back, they've been playing fairly well. Uh, it's actually nice to see Portland get a few pieces there. Uh, but on the flip side, Gary Trent Jr. fit well in the Nurses' system. Uh, the Raptors just uh, have a lot of issues right now, and I don't know what's going to fix it. But what have you seen from him? You've really seemed impressed with him. I I like Gary Trent a lot. Like the, the way he plays, and like I didn't realize. He was this good of a shooter. I, I I don't I don't I don't know if like in Portland he just didn't get the chances, but like he was starting to get more shots. I think they really like a Kawhi Leonard kind of situation. They had worked with him a while to get his shot to where it was, so it was kind of like that. Like the 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 like the ability of him like the buzzer beater win against the Wizards to come up the court, he had it behind the back and pulling between two defenders closing in from the side, like. I was like, whoa. (laughs) He didn't even, like, think about it, really. Like, he even said in the postgame, he's like, I just kind of sprang the ball up, found a spot, and threw it up. (laughs) I think the fit for both both sides, I think both guys fit better in the system that they're at now. And Powell fit very well with Nurse, but I just think he has a bigger role on Portland because, I don't know, maybe his build and just the way he scores, he's more of a slasher. He can hit a three, but the way he slashes, maybe that fits Portland's offense more because they've got McCollum and Dame that already shoot, whereas Trent, if he's a shooter, more of a shooter, that's not going to work so much because you've just got too much shooting. And Toronto needs uh, like two or three Gary Trent Juniors from the looks of it, but he's doing all right for them. It was, I, I think, and like I thought, and I heard a lot of Raptors fans thought that after that Warriors game, that we were like, oh, we're going to turn around the fortunes. 
Yeah, I was I like I literally turned on the score and I was like, "There's no way." Like I get it, they didn't have Steph and Draymond, but they're in the NBA. They're a bunch of pros, and they just got routed by a shitty team. And I'm not afraid to say the Raptors are shitty. <laughs> uh, the Warriors, um, with Steph Curry was weird. on the floor because of the way the offense is changing the league. I think they're like 13th all time, and um, without Steph, they're ranked seventh worst uh, all time. Uh, That's crazy. That just shows you how big Steph is. I mean, realistically, the MVP award is just a bunch of horse crap anyway. It's not. It's a stupid award. The way they do it. It's not a stupid award to give an MVP out, but it's always some stupid narrative that they put. Oh, Giannis was doing this. Harden was doing this. Russell Westbrook. All the triple doubles. When realistically, there's teams. I mean, honestly, I'm not a LeBron fan, but there's probably a couple he should have won over some of those idiots that got the award. I mean, I don't think Nash should have won both of his. Shaq should have had one of those. Uh, But the award, it's based off of the people who talk all the time, and they always push the narrative of a certain story anyway. They're the ones voting, so it makes sense it would be that way, but I think it is kind of stupid in ways. And uh, But with like I'm saying, with Steph, the way that stat alone just shows how big of a the MVP that Steph is for that team. And I, mean, I know, but it, it was just, like, crazy because it's, like, I get it. Like, you didn't have literally the best shooter of all time, in my opinion. <laughs> but, like, I, I just did not expect, one, the, the, the Raptors to do that, and, two, the Warriors to let it happen with a guy like Steve Kerr at the helm of it. I don't think it's Kerr's system is built for shooters, and without yeah. Steph out there and no Clay, they've got freaking Wig- Ubre and Wiggins. I'd rather I wish Ubre <laughs> would go. I wish they would put him in a raft and send him out out to the Pacific, because I'm about tired of the way he plays. That he plays. I haven't watched too many games because I get irritated when I watch, especially with Ubre, because he likes to ISO all the time, and he's just he's his ego must be freaking massive because he's not an ISO guy and he thinks he is and it just does not work it clunks up the offense and that's why it it, that's why the offense gets gradually better when they put Draymond and then Steph out there because it moves the ball out of Oubre's hands I don't think Oubre is going to be there next year and I hope to God he's not because I want to actually watch some games and not want to throw something at my TV Uh, uh, I don't know I'm a, I could go on for a while about Ubre. I'm just I, that's a horrific fit. I think I like the way I think Wiggins will fit when you bring the whole team back together with Clay. Clay's a whole big part of that team, but yeah, I don't know. I, like but I thought like the Raptors are fine. Like I mean, like I get it. They're twenty and thirty. Like I I I really am okay with them having an iffy year. I I really can take it. Like. I think the big question going around right now, and after Pascal yelled at um, Nurse, which I I would be too if the way they were playing, but is Pascal a long-term person you want to stick with, or would you be willing to move him for somebody else, say like a Carl Anthony Towns or somebody like that? I don't know how open Cat is in the trade market, but I'm just trying to think of somebody with a close contract that you could bring in that would maybe flip it up a little bit. Oh no! I mean, I I I I I like Pascal a lot, so like I wouldn't want him to get traded. But at the same time, if we're getting like a guy like Cat, who we know what he's gonna give, he's gonna give you 
defense. He's going to give you interior offense and interior defense and rebounding. I wouldn't mind it. But at the same time, I like Pascal's like quickness. Like I, I, I get it. He makes some slow-minded decisions. But like I, I, I like the way he plays. Like when he's on, he is like he's one of the I'm not gonna say most unstoppable players, but he can do his thing <laughs> when he's like having a night. I'm thinking about it, and I'm thinking back to the draft. I said Davion Mitchell would be a good player for you guys to draft, but. I don't know if I can stick by that now, thinking about, like, moving Pascal. Because my main issue with Pascal is that the team as a whole does not have the guy they can give the ball to at the end of the game and say, take the last shot. They've got a bunch of guys that could take it, but you're not like, oh, they gave him the ball, it's going to go in kind of guys. It's like, well, maybe this will work. Uh, But I'm thinking if you guys, I'm not... I think you guys are going to tank on your own. I don't think you'll have to worry about that. But I think a, more of a guy like a Jalen Green uh, that's in the G League right now would be a, I think, a decent guy. I think Jalen Green is going to be one of those guys that can close out a game for you. Kind of like, I'm not, I hate to say it, but kind of like a DeRozan, honestly. I think. What, what do you hate to say it? Well, no, but I'm not trying to like, because... That's just basic. I mean, Toronto already had DeRozan, but I think Jalen Green puts off a lot of those qualities, and he's a young player. He looks pretty good. Uh, but uh, no easy fixes until the draft or free agency for me. I don't know. I don't know if Nurse has got enough tricks in his bag to flip this team around, but. I don't know. Last year, Coach of the Year. I'm trusted. Coach of the Year is another one of those crap awards, too, just like the MVP. Like when they get still coach of the year. Coach. Yeah, I know, but they gave guys like I, I that's I'm not gonna get into that because I there's a lot of coaches that I think are full of overbloated and full of crap like Stevens and the Celtics right now, Budenhauser and Milwaukee. Because specifically with Budenhauser, even in Atlanta, he can never get past the second round. So we're seeing basically the same thing happen in Milwaukee, and I wouldn't be surprised if they don't send him down the road the next season or the one after it if they can't get anything done. I would myself if I was a GM. And look, while we're already talking about, let's go to the Celtics. Uh, the Celtics look like garbage too. Not as, I'm not trying to trash the Raptors, but they aren't quite as bad as the Raptors, but they don't look very good either. Uh, I, I've never totally been impressed with Brad Stevens myself because I think he's a very good coach, but I haven't I think he's just too laid back. I don't see a lot of passion. I I know it's there, but I just don't see it. And it's really showing now. Um, the Celtics, I think, have made a few critical mistakes this season, specifically with Ainge at the GM spot, has squandered opportunities to bring in a it, – it's somewhat – I guess Turner, I think, was an all-star. So an, an all-star big, I mean – they had a chance to send Hayward prior to Hayward just straight up leaving them and them getting nothing for him. They He could have traded Hayward to Pacers for Miles Turner, but he got greedy and wanted Oladipo, so that fell through. And then he signs Tristan Thompson, and then not the trade deadline, which was a couple weeks ago. He gets rid of Tice, who was the best big on their team, and goes with Tristan Thompson because they're worried about cap. I mean, what are you even doing there in the Celtics? And the Celtics aren't playing well either. Tatum uh, just doesn't even look like he wants to play. He just looks he, – he's out there playing, but he doesn't look like he's listening to Stevens anymore. 
it that's and they just gave him a five year extension. Now, I mean, I get the playing Palmer crap, but if you don't want to be there, don't sign the extension. Because uh, if Tatum ends up after this season saying, "Oh, I want to go," that's a bunch of crap, if you ask me. I think, I don't know, I don't, because players don't like to be trapped down. But I think if you sign a five year, you should at least have to play two of it before you can ask him for a trade, because that's kind of low. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't blame him. I think, I don't know. I really don't. I don't blame him, but at the same time, when has he stepped up in the conference finals to finish it off? I mean, uh, they should have been he able did to a do Miami last year. last year. They should have been able to do Miami last year. Uh, no, Miami was on a level of their own for some odd reason, but they were. I think it could have been closer than it was. I don't know. I mean, like, they ran through the Bucks, who were supposed to be the run-through of every other team. Yeah, I... There's like, a... they ran through the Bucks, and people were like, okay. <laughs> this year has just brought, to for me, a lot of just... I'm just confused with some teams. Some teams should have been better with the same roster that they have, and now they're just they're just dying. They're just dying with the roster that they have. I don't I don't get it with the Raptors. I don't get it with the Celtics. I think I'm trying to think of another team. I know there's others out there. I just don't get it. I really don't. I mean, New Orleans was borderline playoffs last year. I get why they didn't do it. It's because of Stan Van Gundy's stupid ass. Why would you hire him? That okay, but um, but I don't get it. There's just like. Usually you can kind of pick and choose what's wrong with a team, but it's very hard with these issues that are coming up right now with these teams. I don't know how to, like, it's not like it's a one-piece kind of thing with with these teams. It's just hard to figure it out. Um, well, it could be a one-piece with a cut. Like, I, I, I honestly think the Raptors is just a center change away from being fine. Yeah, I get that. I could see that. That's the one that I think is might be the so-called one piece change, because Aaron Baines don't do shit. I'm sorry. No. I I, I think if there's one team that's like the one change, I think they're the best chance at it. But a team like the Celtics literally need to fire like upper staff. <laughs> yeah, I I think with Toronto. I think the issue is the bench as well because I think the starters are putting up a decent amount of points, but the bench is kind of lackluster at times. Well, supposedly our bench was the guys who got us back in the Wizards game. Apparently, we were down. Well, maybe the bench came, came in and got us there. But that's because Boucher's off the bench, right? He, he, they started him last game, I think. See, that's the thing. They don't have like backups to some of their better positions. I think originally, as they were building the team, I think Van Fleet was set to be your backup for Lowry, but now it's gotten to the point where you can't have him on the bench. So you're kind of... I don't get why you guys sent Terrence Davis away. I, I didn't like him anyway. He didn't do it too much. He was still a decent piece, and then he went right to the Kings, and he had a 20-point game. So I, you guys got to have something in the G League, don't you, somewhere? There's got to be at least one or two guys you can bring. Yeah, and plus we still got Flynn... Trying to find his way. He, he had a eight yeah. game. Yeah. He had a good ass game. Yeah. 
some of the, I mean, the youth is nice, but with some teams, especially like we're looking at, I'll talk about another team, Miami right now. They're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place because they don't want to get rid of Tyler Hero, but there'd be teams willing to give them a veteran that could win with Butler while he was young, while he's still in the league, which Butler's probably got five years left. But if you wait on a guy like Hero and Duncan Robinson, you might not be competitive till Jimmy Butler's on his downturn. So it's kind of a fight back and forth. Um, there's just it's hard to. The draft is a good thing to use, but it's hard to kind of the only the right so many GMs can figure out the right mixture of draft and veterans, and that's when you get the good teams. Um, it's just I don't know. There's a some mediocre GMs right now that I think are gonna get sent down the river if they don't make the right moves. Yeah, I, I think Ujiri in Toronto could leave on his own if it doesn't turn around in the next couple of years. I don't think he'll stay. How much does it, did he re-sign a deal for five? I think so. Yeah. Okay. So well, he'll be there till that's over unless he gets fired because usually, like you said with the Celtics, the owners, the general managers are the first one to go if things go south. But, but I mean, like. Why would they fire Masai Ujiri? Because he's been part of the team for all the shitty years, all the good ones, and now just in, like, one more shit. Well, the same could go for Nurse and Stevens. No, time. but I'm saying, like, no, but, like, Masai Ujiri was there in, like, the Bargnani days, bruh. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. He's He's been there for a while. Like, if they were going to fire him, it would have been probably around that time when we were couldn't win more than, like, 15 games. Yeah. <laughs> so well, I think he's fine, but it would be, like, I don't like to say it, but it would probably be a guy like Nurse that would get the bullet, honestly. Yeah. And then you, if we don't figure it out again. But I think we will. I'm not really yeah. concerned. I think if, if Nurse were to go, and this happens a lot in football, they would hire an offensive coach because most teams flip from offense to defense, I think. I don't know. That's There's no point to really get into that because I don't think they're going to fire a nurse anytime soon. Raptors get Mike D'Antoni. <laughs> Mike D'Antoni. I, I hope I never hear that game again as a head coach. I thought I was hoping Stan Van Gundy was that way. I really don't. There's some coaches that are good coaches that just can't win, and those – Two I just named are some of the best at it in the playoffs. I mean, they can win you regular season games, but when the playoffs hit, they don't do too well. Um, speaking of Dan Tony, one of the main proponents of my next point here we're going to get into is I think the league, and I, I kind of got this argument, but I have my own twist on it. Uh, from I was watching NBA radio with Tony and Johnson. I like them a lot. They yell at each other. It's kind of fun to listen to. But uh, they said uh, that they should figure out a way for the parts of the game to be retooled. They say the the rules are too stagnant, and it's just allowed the league to become just uh, less about skill. Well, there's skill, but it's less about, uh, I guess, more. It was more of an inside skill kind of thing. Everybody's just shooting and worrying about dribbles, but no, you've lost, you've lost the post. You've lost a lot of the mid-range art. You've lost, um, I mean, like, 
guys like Jordan, which there's only a few like Jordan used to, there's not as many like acrobatic stuff, acrobatic acts as there was down low. It's just a lot of three points. And they had talked about specifically that the three pointer um is just so much that they should if you miss three in a row, take a point away or something. What? Or even something to that effect. Uh, even like uh, the GM of the Philadelphia 76ers. I'm trying to think what his name was. He was the one that just the one that had just left the Rockets that had made Harden the monster that he was. Daryl Morey. He had said that yeah. you should even change the rules to where the three-pointer is two and a half points. Just because the three-pointer is such an overarching part of the game that it's becoming to the point where you have to shoot three-pointers or you just can't survive. And it's taken away from well, the, uh, the pace of the game because now you just shoot threes all day. You can pull up for a three in transition. Um, but um, another thing they could do is widen the court. That would be another fix. Uh, take out that corner three, which is so easy to cash if you really can hit it. Uh, but widening the court would take away from VIP seats. That's the only issue, and people and the leader, the owners like their money. Um, but what I think would be a good thing, and for anybody who plays two K, you know this is a thing somewhat too in your player grade. But I think uh, to help the defensive side of the ball, which I'm more of a defensive proponent guy anyway, I think if a team gets three straight stops, it should give them one single point. Just an extra point. It would give people incentive to not just be an offensive guy. It would make guys want to play defense. So if you got three stops on one end, it would give them an extra point. It would make uh, defenders more in value because a guy like what you said earlier, Gary Tent Jr., who can do both, would be another guy. Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, uh, Patrick Jimmy. Beverly, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo. Um... Just guys like that. I think I, I wouldn't mind widening the court either, but I do think they've got to do something defensively. I think uh, the offense have just been able to run rampant and the defensive, because they've had, I mean, originally early 90s, you had the hand check rule remove, which allows players to hold the ball easier than they used to be. And then you've had, um, well, there's been other ones, but one that really comes to mind is when Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard got downed. Uh, now you can, you can't, they, you got to give space now. But there hasn't been, all those rules limit what a defense can do almost to the point where you kill the defender and there's no real movement, especially now with guys like Harden, Steph, Chris Paul, other guys wrapping guys' arms around themselves and getting a foul that way. There's there's just no real back and forth. There's no way that the defense just has to kind of hope the guys miss anymore. And that's just, you know, it's it's fun to watch in a way, but it just kind of gets boring after a while. What do you think? I enjoy the way the game is. I mean, like, if you can't shoot a three, adapt or die. Like, honest, I'm sorry. It's hard. <laughs> I don't. I think. Like, for instance, Valanciunas, a guy who would never step outside of the paint, can now shoot a three ball. Yeah. So, I think it's really about just adapting or, like, like it really is, in my, in my opinion. Like, if you, 
I feel like in order to have success in the league now, you obviously have to be able to do what your game is, like whatever you came up able to do. Like, let's say if you're an interior big, you almost have to have the ability to like somewhat even just knock down the mid range or maybe even just the corner shot in order to be like. Yeah, the top bigs right now are like Jokic and Embiid, and both of those guys can do that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I feel like I get it why they say that, but at the same time, this is 2021, not 1990. I think it would be interesting if they moved the three out to limitless range because I think that would be interesting to watch, don't you think? I mean, we already watch it with Dame and Steph. Just put out a line in front of where they like to shoot from four already feet out. I think, uh, what is it at now? Like thirty or something? Yeah, and, but you got but but the, but then you got guys like Stafford and Dane that shoot from forty. <laughs> yeah, I I would think like it, if you went out like, uh, it would make a perfect circle. I think like thirty three, thirty three and a third or something. Then the whole thing just thirty three and a third. Like a another two K reference, like the Ruffles four point line. <laughs> four point. Honest. I don't know what a. See, no, like not a four point, but like from that distance, like deep. Yeah, maybe the two and a half, like Maury had said, could be transitioned to that line, and then the three could be moved out to a Ruffles four point. That could be a play too. Yeah, because I mean, like I get why people would say that. Like if you grew up watching like the hand checking air, like the rough and tough, like it's not a foul if you tap somebody. Yeah. Like, I can get why you don't like the way the game is, but, like, as a kid, for me, like, it's a 17-year-old kid who's only really watched, like, like, kind of the, I don't know, like, the, the build, era. the shooting, like, yeah, like, the, the the new era. I enjoy this, get the ball, come up, and shoot it from 40. Like, I, I enjoy the pace. I don't know why. It's just kind of, like, something I like to watch. You're, like, somebody like you who, like, I know you like the defense and you like the, like, you're not... Like, you don't mind the threes, but you're not the guy who likes to always watch. I mean, watch. the pick and roll isn't utilized that much either. The pick yeah. and roll has more been flipped to, it used to be a big, heavy pick and roll. Now it's more suited to the guard to get a three-pointer. Yeah. Like, on the Warriors, you can, like, how many times did they set that off-ball screen? Not as much Steph- as I think they should. But not anymore. Well, not Steph since they got rid of Bogut, but when they had Bogut, yeah, that was their bread and butter. Yeah, but it's like for me, I enjoy it. But for somebody from like the old, old the the older era, I can definitely understand why. Like, this isn't your type of game that you like to watch. So, yeah, I think if you move the three point line out to, like I said, with the two and a half and then the three, um, then it would become more of a specialist thing to hit the three anyway, because used to the three pointer used to be a specialty position anyway. And I think that now would just everybody, back, I think that would bring some of the specialty back into it. I don't even know if guys like Duncan Robinson could hit a deep three that far out. I think Duncan Robinson would be the two and a half kind of guy. But, but then again, also like how we were just talking about like, the people having to be kind of forced to shoot the three to be successful. That can also be a bad thing because, like, a guy like Drummond or Tristan Thompson, like, I've seen Tristan pull from three. You'd never want to watch that ever again. Well, um, Drummond's IQ isn't that big anyway, so it's not... But, like, anyway. I'm just... But it's, like, some of these guys, 
their careers might be ruined by them trying to adapt. <laughs> yeah. Andre tried for about Speaking half a season. Speaking of Drummond. They told him to stay in your lane. That's not you. You're going to yeah. go down there and grab rebounds and shoot 40% from inside like you always do. Speaking of Drummond, like yeah, you wanted. Let's, let's use that as a transition. Yeah. Perfect segue into Drummond talk. I, I really, I know Lakers, but I don't really know how many people listen to this, but I don't care. If you're a Lakers fan, if you think Ben McElmore and Andre Drummond are going to put you over the top, I, I get California weed is legal, so maybe you are smoking a little bit extra. If you think that Andre Drummond and Ben McElmore are going to fix the spots that you need. I mean, McElmore is more closer to what you need. You need a defender and a three-point shooter, but do I think Ben McElmore is a three-point contest kind of three-point shooter? Hell no. Ben McElmore has had the same numbers since his rookie season, about 10 a game, four rebounds, and three assists. I think it's about that. That's not that great. And, um, I mean, that, that was the position you need. The position, I think, is really that they screwed up. But why the hell do you need Drummond? Why do you need Drummond? Either put up Harrell in the starting lineup or just deal with Gasol. I, I've, I've heard on Gasol. I guess I, I can't go back because I did say they needed a center, but I do not think Andre Drummond was a guy. It, it, JaVale McGee got moved. Bring JaVale back or somebody like that, somebody who's a modern-day center. Andre's time in the league has... As a Pistons fan, he wore on me eventually, and I've spoken on it before in this, but I, really, the fact that he is a center, a center who does not shoot anything, I don't even think I've seen him shoot a mid-range. He either shoots a stupid three that he doesn't make, or he goes inside. He only shoots 40% from inside. Most elite bigs shoot at least over 50 from inside. The fact that he shoots 40 from inside it should just tell you how much, how mediocre of a center is. Oh, he gets rebounds. Anybody, the very casual fans, and now the Lakers fans, I will move into that, to think Drummond is going to make you that much of a contender, let alone help you against the Nets, who just added LaMarcus Aldridge and Blake, who are arguably, I would rather have LaMarcus and Blake over Andre Drummond. That's not going to help you. Andre is going to, if they, they need to, the only thing I can say is if you get him to look, to know his role and not move away from that, you'll be fine. But if he starts doing that stupid garbage like he did in Detroit, where he thinks he's the man, he's going to score, and I know he still thinks he's the man because he still wants a max contract because he's, he, he's got to be smoking too, because there's no way in hell anybody's giving him a max contract. Andre, did you see what he tweeted? What did he t- I don't even find, I don't have Twitter because it's the a date. Okay, over. so the it wasn't even him on. It was the Lakers page, but on Twitter he's like, "I will wreck the paint for the Lakers tonight." Oh, he boy. broke his pinky toe. Yeah, did he break his pinky toe or did he break the nail on the pinky toe? No, he broke his pinky toe the same night he said, "This paint is mine for the Lakers." Yeah, I don't even, and I don't think he was playing exceptionally well before he went down with the pinky toe. Um, that Lakers team, if you really look at it, and I one stat I'm going to put here that you should really look at before you guys that follow the Lakers go all in on them. I mean, if you follow them, you're probably all in on them anyway. But they are like 26th or 27th in made threes in the NBA. That does, that's not good. And bringing Andre Drummond in, who's going to crog the paint even more with Davis and LeBron, who would like to get in there, 
Uh, that doesn't help that at all. That's going to hurt that even more. I mean, I don't... Gasol's too old now, and he's he's not going to stretch the floor for you. Who do they have at a big that can stretch the floor besides... Well, Davis can stretch the floor. I guess you got Morris a little bit, but Harrell's not shooting threes. Um, I'm not saying the Lakers are a horrible team, but that... They're going to, I'm second round for me. I don't see them going any farther than the second round this year with the roster. They don't have shooters. Caruso's not a knockdown shooter. KCP is inconsistent. Um, who, el who else are they really get? Schroeder could, if he gets hot, could do you, but he hasn't really shown a whole lot on LA. He's done okay. I haven't seen many large performances. I would arguably rather have had Rondo than Schroeder at this point. Uh, even though Rondo Rondo always shows up in the playoffs, and who knows, Shooter might do the same thing. Um, but I don't. The, the, now they're gonna call me a hater. Anybody who's a Lakers fan and listens to this, they probably already turned me off at this point anyway. But um, I don't think the Lakers are just a write-in for the championship by any means. They've got to make it out of the West, which I think I said it last year. Portland would give them. Who's in the back. West? Uh, but now Portland's better. Nets, Nuggets are better. The Nets are coming after that. But uh, you got the Nets. Who else you got? Clippers are going to be pissed off from last year. So you've got a team. And Clippers look okay. They've got Rondo, too, which, like I said, Rondo plays better in playoffs. Um, who else do you have? Uh, Suns. Suns are kind of a wild card. I don't know what to think of them yet, but they're second in the West. Um. The Lakers are going to have a hard road of it, especially if they're hanging around that fourth, fifth, sixth seed. They're going to play somebody that's pretty good in the first round because if they're at, if they're at four or five, and the Clippers are at four or five, that's going to be a hell of a series coming right out the bat for them. Um, it's going to be draining at the very least, and they they might go through that. But then who you got in the next round? I think that'd be four or five goes against two seven. I think so. You either got you either got Dallas or, well, I don't know where Dallas, it, the bottom seeds are kind of all screwed right now, but probably Phoenix, or maybe if Utah drops down, you got Utah, which um, both are pretty good squads. I think Phoenix likes to get out in a fast break, which is going to wear you down. That can fit the Lakers team more, but it's not going to be a walk in the park. It's not going to be like it was down in Orlando last year. Uh I hope not, because it wasn't very fun to watch last year, because a lot of teams were not in their element. They were not ready to go for the playoffs. And uh, hopefully this year is a little different. We'll have to see. Um, I think I, you got anything else? I'm going to wrap it up here if you don't. Not really. I mean, we're just going to see what happens. We'll see what teams either still stink or they bring it back. I mean, we'll just see. Yeah, it's... Um, kind of confusing this this season I'm not gonna lie I don't know what to think of a lot of these guys but uh yeah we'll see I've like I mentioned before we started if you're on YouTube please like and subscribe um I'm gonna put out some pack openings video I had a big research paper I just finished and I'm more open up uh semester's getting close to being done so I can do more uh I got a few good pack opens and one that was Really, I put the Zion one out, but I got another one coming up. Maybe I'll mix two together because they're both kind of small. Uh, but yeah, uh, thank you for watching and uh, have a good week.